how to cultivate our inner wisdom. Of course, I am a quote, weight loss doc. So for those of you who are here to talk about weight loss, let me assure you that this is relevant. Welcome back to Health Bite, my podcast where I offer you small, actionable bites towards healthy weight and weight management through greater mental, emotional, and physical well-being. I wholeheartedly believe that our relationship with food is a window into our relationship with ourselves. Understanding this relationship will not only facilitate healthy weight and weight management, but will have rippling effects that impact every aspect of your life. In the nearly two decades that I've worked as an obesity medicine specialist, I have seen firsthand the life-changing effects of this transformative work, and I'm so excited to share my insights with you. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Udeem, and I created this podcast as an alternative to the noise to offer you knowledge-based guidance in the areas of nutrition, fitness, habit change, and mindset that I use with my patients in my medical practice every single day to help them achieve healthy weight and health. More episodes are available at dradrianudeem.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter and shoot me an email. I'd love to hear about your journey. Okay, here we go. Let's dig in to this week's episode. Last week on the Dr. Seuss podcast, we discussed some of the determinants of emotional and mental well-being, including something called environmental mastery, which was defined as the degree to which we feel that we have the resources to cope with our environment and with difficult circumstances. Simply said that we've got the stuff that it takes to deal with the hard stuff in our lives. And in doing so, I mentioned that by resources, I was referring not to external resources like time, education, money, but internal resources, those resources which we all inherently have within us. When it dawned on me that perhaps some might scoff at the notion that they have what it takes, that they already are armed with the skills that they are enough without more training, more understanding, more internal work, more self-helping, more therapy, more, more, more. And I can understand why some would scoff. At times, I scoff at this notion too. And so I thought it would be helpful to dedicate a podcast to this very thing, how to cultivate our inner wisdom. Of course, I am a quote, weight loss doc. So for those of you who are here to talk about weight loss, let me assure you that this is relevant. Because in fact, when we use food in a maladaptive way, that is to soothe, or we use the other things like alcohol, smoking, working, sex, you know, all the ways in which we soothe, i.e. mute our discomfort, our emotions, and therefore ourselves, We are doing the exact opposite of cultivating our inner wisdom. We are squashing it. So let's talk about how we can do the opposite. Let's talk about how we can cultivate our inner wisdom. And in doing so, be attuned to that environmental mastery that we all possess that will make us live more fulfilling, more nourished lives. So first I want to share an anecdote. Several months ago, like almost six, 
I decided I was going to stop drinking so that I could, quote, level up. I had some important professional opportunities coming up. I had a TED Talk coming up. And I wanted to be in all ways as ready as possible to take advantage of those opportunities. So I continued to eat well, as I always do or try to do, that is. I continued to move my body. And I knew by quitting alcohol, I would sleep better, optimize my brain function, and kind of fill in whatever other gaps I could fill in by changing habits. Immediately, I was faced with social situations in which I was the only one. Weddings in which I was the only one not drinking. Dinner parties in which I was the only one not drinking. Gatherings in which I was the only one not drinking. And honestly, it felt uncomfortable. I thought to myself, why am I doing this voluntarily? Why am I voluntarily doing something uncomfortable and I don't really need to? And then it dawned on me, can I just be with this discomfort? Like what will happen if I twiddle my thumbs instead of hold a wine glass? What will really happen if I'm doing or not doing something that all my peers are doing and feel like the odd woman out? What will happen if I endure the initial sizing up of the crowd without the social lubricant that we've become accustomed to using? What will happen? The answer is nothing. Nothing will happen. I will not die if I expose myself to some discomfort. And you know what? That realization was absolutely magic. Think about all of the uncomfortable emotions that we try and soothe. Sadness, anger, anxiety, boredom. First of all, let's be real. Just because we try and soothe with food, alcohol, working, shopping, sex, all the things, doesn't mean that it'll be effective. How often have you done all the things only to find yourself on the other end saying, Shit, I ate that chocolate and I still feel lonely. I munched through the pantry and I still feel agitated. I busied myself on a million work projects and I still feel unfulfilled. I did some major shopping therapy and I still feel disconnected. There are so many ways in which this can play out. And that's not to say that it doesn't feel good in the moment. Chocolate and shop therapy, heck yeah, it feels good in the moment. But when it's done for the purpose of soothing, it falls flat. After that initial buzz, we go right back to where we were feeling, which actually is a good thing. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So why not stay with what we're feeling? Why not stay with the emotion or the experience numbing or without numbing and see what comes It's likely that that feeling or emotion is telling you that something needs to change. Hi friends, it's Dr. Adrian, and I'm dropping into your podcast to offer a love letter to you. I believe that our hunger represents our unmet emotional and spiritual needs. And by leaning in and listening to our hunger, we have an opportunity to hear our needs and to respond. I know this not only from personal experience, but from listening to the stories of hundreds, if not thousands of patients over the past almost 20 years. I have compiled these stories, including my own, 
into Hungry for More, Stories and Science to Inspire Weight Loss from the Inside Out. This book is not just about weight loss, but about life and contains lessons that I know to be life-changing. If you don't believe me, head over to my website at dradrianudim.com where you can obtain a free sample or to amazon.com and check out the reviews for yourself. Maybe the anger is telling you that the dynamic in a relationship is not nourishing and you need your friend or your partner to know. Maybe your boredom is telling you that you're not fulfilled by your work and you need to do something more challenging or meaningful. Maybe your low mood or low energy state is telling you you need to take better care of yourself and your body. The point is that the emotion is trying to communicate something with you. Your inner knowing, your inner wisdom is calling out to you. Woohoo! Over here. So don't soothe. Tune in and listen. But okay, I get that it's hard. And I also get the notion that being still, as I suggested in my TED Talk, might seem impossible or even maddening when you're in that state. So I want to offer some other practices that are perhaps a bit more actionable and may help you get to the same state. Now, I want to give out a shout out to the Center for Mind-Body Medicine because some of these practices are informed by trainings and teachings that I experienced just this week in doing a five-day training with the center. It is an incredible resource and organization, and I recommend that you check out Center for Mind-Body Medicine if you haven't heard of them or done so already. Now, last but not least, before we get into the practices, I want to say this, that when we sit with those emotions, when we sit with the irritation, the agitation, the boredom, all the feelings, just like I did at the beginning of that wedding, when we do that work and do it enough, something eventually happens. We build our inner resilience. We build our sense of mastery. We realize that we're not going to die. We're not going to break because we feel uncomfortable. And really that knowing is magic because it allows us to have a little bit more, again, resilience, a little bit more ammunition, a little bit more tools in our toolbox to get through the difficult work because we know that we have the wherewithal to get through it. So now let's get to some of our trainings and practices. You may be in the car right now. That's okay. Listen to this anyway. But I recommend that if you are, you listen to it again when you're in a quiet, actionable place where you can actually take advantage of some of these practices. The first is a writing practice, which is called dialogue with an emotion, symptom, or problem. Now, as you all know, I am a huge, huge fan of writing, and this is a really powerful writing exercise. In this exercise, I want you to identify the primary difficult emotion or symptom or problem that you are experiencing. And it doesn't actually have to be the primary or the biggest. Just identify something that is vexing you right now. Maybe it's a pain somewhere in the body or 
racing heart or stomach cramps. Maybe it's a certain feeling that you're experiencing, an emotion, a sadness or anger, which you don't know where it is coming from. Maybe it's a problem you're dealing with, an issue with a coworker or I don't know, a decision about your career. Pretend that you were sitting across from this thing, sitting across the table from it, and write a dialogue as if you were speaking to this thing across from you. The premise here is by dialoguing with the emotion, problem, or thing, you allow it to unfold why it is there and what it is trying to teach you. You give your subconscious an opportunity to speak to you. Basically, you're allowing your inner voice, your inner wisdom to come forth. So again, for example, going with the anger theme or example above, you're talking to your anger as if it were a person. So you start with this, me, hey, why won't you leave me alone? Anger, because it's important for me to be here. Me, why? Anger because you're missing the big picture, me, what am I missing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I know it may sound crazy, but just try it and go with it. Try it with an open mind and without judgment. Other important tips and points before you start. Before you start, take a moment with your eyes closed. Take some deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. Conjure up What is coming up for you? What you want to dialogue with? Go with the first thing that pops in your head. Don't overthink this. Don't overthink in general. Don't auto edit your writing. This is not a thinking exercise. This is more of a blurting exercise, which means that you blurt out on the page whatever comes to your mind without overthinking. Lastly, you have a time minute. Write furiously for seven to 10 minutes, then stop and read it back to yourself. A few more considerations. I don't want to make it seem like a physical or emotional symptom should just be ignored. If you're having a racing heart rate, that could also be a life-threatening arrhythmia. So don't journal when you should be calling your doctor. This exercise might be difficult and it might bring up some difficult emotions. So be gentle with yourself. And if it feels like it's just too much, maybe it's just too much. Consider revisiting it with your therapist or with some other trusted confidant. The second technique that I also learned at the Center for Mind-Body Medicine is the wise guide meditation. Now here, once again, I want you to get into a comfortable and quiet place and into a comfortable position. You can sit or you can lie down, settle yourself, settle your mind and settle your breathing by taking a few deep breaths in and out of your nose. Try and quiet your mind by focusing your awareness on your breath. It may help you to use the words in and out as you breathe in and out to help maintain your focus on the breath. Now, Envision yourself in a place that's special to you. This can be a real place or an imaginary place, some place you wish to go, some place you've never been, somewhere in nature, or even a place in your home. 
It doesn't matter as long as it's comfortable and it's safe. Experience this place with all your senses. What does it sound like? What does it smell like? What's the temperature? Is there a breeze on your skin? Is it bright or is it dimly lit? What colors are surrounding you? Try and get a full sense of the environment. Now, focus on yourself in this environment. Where do you experience the safety of this chosen place? And where and how do you experience it in your body? Identify the location. Identify the field-expressed feeling. Connect with that feeling. Is there anything that needs to be changed in order to be fully comfortable, in order to fully connect with this environment? This is your meditation. This is your safe space. So make that change. Now return to the feeling of safety in your body. Once you're there, I want you to imagine a wise guide. Again, this can be imaginary. It can be a real person. It can be an animal, a presence, a color, or anything that may come to you. Accept whatever comes. Notice the features of this being. What characteristics does it present? How does its presence make you feel? How does the energy of this wise guide and or wise being feel to you? If you feel comfortable and safe in its presence, you know this is your wise guide. This is your inner voice. As this presence or being comes to you, greet it in however feels right, with words, with thoughts, with touch. Get comfortable with the presence of this wise guide around you. Now that this wise being is here to help you, to serve you, know that this being has a message for you. Can you ask it what it has come what it has come to offer you? Stay quiet and open. What is this guy trying to communicate to you? Do you have a question for this wise guide? A problem that you're seeking a solution for? If so, ask. Then take some time to listen to what this wise guide has to say. Keep listening. And keep listening. And when you're done, and when you're ready, say thank you to this guide. Know that he, she, it is always there. You can always return to it. Now focus your attention back to your breathing. Take some deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back to the present moment. Now, again, if you're in your car, hopefully you didn't close your eyes. Consider doing this again when you're at home or in a place that's feasible. And finally, once you're done, consider taking some time to write down your thoughts. If you haven't done this work before, it may seem strange or hokey, but actually there's a lot of evidence behind these practices. And if it doesn't come to you the first round, it's okay. Be open to trying the practices again. Finally, I want to leave you with this poem by Lao Tzu that our facilitator in the group shared with us this week. It's called Always We Hope. Always we hope, 
someone else has the answer. Some other place will be better. Some other time it will all turn out. This is it. No one else has the answer. No other place will be better. And it has already turned out. At the center of your being, you have the answer. You know who you are and you know what you want. There is no need to run outside for better seeing, nor to peer from a window. Rather, abide at the center of your being. For the more you leave it, the less you learn. Search your heart and see. The way to do is to be. Trust yourselves, my friends. You have everything that you need inside of you, right here, right now, and just as you are. I'm sending you lots of love, and I look forward to seeing you here again next week on Health Bite.